0: The decision hasn't come lightly. I mean, I have, for the sort of last 10 years, wanted this. Worth every shot with Yaz. I kind of did hope that in my 30s I might meet somebody, but it hasn't worked out that way for me. Hello, Yasmin here and welcome to my podcast. And firstly, I just want to thank people that have sent in lots of well wishes after hearing I was in my two-week wait. And anyone that has ever experienced one, you will know. That it feels just like the days are dragging and you're kind of watching your every move. And I was kind of feeling quite a lot during it as well, including cramps and sore boobs and dull lower back pain. And it was a major guesswork as to what these were. The result of was it the 66 micrograms of HCG, you know, the pregnancy hormone that I took a day after transfer. Was it the m baby implanting and making a home for itself or was it anti-flow on her way? Well, I'm very sad to say it was the latter and uh, tomorrow should have been my test day but I I didn't get to that day because, well, my two-week wait was rudely interrupted and I've uh, kind of spent most of uh, today, really, making the use of some extra large tissues, as you can imagine. Heartbreaking. Doesn't even cut it. But it is people like my guest today who do keep my dream alive and give me hope. Uh, We're going to be chatting to Solo Mum by choice, Katrina Harding, later. But first, another excerpt from my vlog which i started over two and a half years ago last week we learned that i'd broken the bank and bought four vials of sperm well i did wait a while after that actually to take to the vlog again but when i did this is what i had to say well i've actually not done an update for quite some time so that we're sort of coming from the uh, buying of the sperm that's done and um it sat in denmark <laughs> just waiting to be you know sent over to belfast and um, but quite a bit has happened. Um so I went for a, my second attempt at a high cosy, uh, just to see if I can do IUI, see how my fertility, how my um fallopian tubes look etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh, the second time i went um, my fertility doctor had said no you definitely definitely have something there like fibroids or polyps or whatever so um i had to go and get them removed i had to go to the hospital for the first time never actually done that before never had an operation so um just another box checked and i got that i got them removed at a very costly price Um. My mum went half hers. It was my Christmas present this year. Bit of a random one. What did your mum get you for Christmas? Well, <laughs> polyp removal. So, um, they're, they're benign, thankfully. That's them gone now. So this is today the third attempt at high cozy. I should hopefully get it done. It'll be fine. Well, as in, I'll get the results today. I hope, I hope I am told that I can do IUI. As in, I hope that my fallopian tubes are okay. So I'm sat here, this is reception for the fertility clinic, <laughs> your car, uh, while well, all this uh, COVID's going on. So I've got my, my mask, obviously, and I just have to wait. They'll phone me when they're ready and just say, right, I head upstairs and see Dr. Abaji, who I absolutely love. I love my fertility doctor. He's such a nice guy. He's, he's so friendly and he's just, oh, he's really nice. So he'll be doing the high cosy. And yeah, I just hope everything is... And work in order and i can do iui and then the next stage is i think just getting the stuff over and uh, booking in so wish me luck well that is me out of the clinic and oh it's never ever plain sailing this is never going to be plain sailing let's be honest um so we did that i finally got it done finally and um we could see my i think it was my right or my left i think it was my right um what they called again fallopian tubes and um, and you could see there was flow going into that one that was great that was good news so that was fine but the left he just couldn't get a good look at it you couldn't see it he said I don't know if it's maybe in spasm it could be blocked it might be you just couldn't really get a good look at that one so every Thursday they all have meetings right so he's gonna bring it up in these meeting and then they'll they'll um, contact me and um, so he said I have to just sort of think about what I want to do do I want to just just go with it and just say right okay well there's a the right one looks like it's working let's just go with IUI or do I want to go there's other tests I can get done to get a even better look at my tubes like I can go um and get like dye filled in and get an x-ray of my stomach and do it that way and I'm just thinking I'm getting to the point now where I'm like this is taking so much time it's like oh I don't know if I want to just just go and try you know um, so he said it's really really up to you, you need to just sort of think about it um, and he said you could just, or you could go for IVF and I'm like oh, I know, I know but I, I explained to him that I, I've got the four vials and that I was hoping to do like. and he said oh yeah but three attempts at I, I, IUI and then move on to IVF and I was like yeah that's kind of what, my, what I was hoping to do so um, he kind of knows that that's sort of my plan or was my plan but it would have been just nice to have had the news that oh! Both of your Philippine tubes. Look at that. Look at the the dye go through them fine. I could see on the on the screen that the dye was going through my right one, and and it was it seemed fine. So it's it's like I've got one definitely working, but I just don't know about the other one. It's it's like it was hidden. We couldn't like see it. Like he was moving about the wand, and I'm like I can't not nah, can't see it. He said oh it could yeah could be in spasm or. So I'm just trying to relax more, but it's the. It, there's nothing I could do that was going to help that fallopian tube come to the, come to the forefront. (laughs) Oh, it's just, it's, it's getting a bit frustrating, but at the same time, when you want something so much, it doesn't matter, you just go, right, okay, just keep going, keep going. although i do wish i was a wee bit younger because i would be keep going and just going well, that's okay i've got a lot on my side like i've got my age on my side whereas i, I haven't now you know um so i just i don't know i'm very tempted just to go right let's try it let's just give it a go um and he was talking about xy to me and i've seen that written as ICSI. i you know i didn't ever know what that was and i said look i've got a the sperm that I purchased is really high motility which is good for IUI obviously but I, I was like you know is it any better for IVF and he said well actually yeah because we use XE and he said no a high motility is actually a good thing and I went all oh, right okay good that was good to know so um he's just an amazing doctor this guy he really really is I'm so glad he's at the helm he's just so good he doesn't lead you all. he doesn't he just tells it like it is and somebody actually told me that about him and they were they're right he won't just tell you what you want to hear you know what I mean which is good but at the same time it's like oh no (laughs) so I am a bit further forward in the journey which is good because you know it's better that than going in again today and and find that I couldn't do the high cozy or whatever um because I even went when I went in he said oh third time I was like yes this is the third time third attempt so at least I got it done Um, So yes, I will get a message from them at some point this week, so I'll just have to sit tight and I might, I never really got an answer on that, I did say to them, so is the next step just getting the sperm from Denmark to here, and he said yep, yep, I'm thinking can I do that now maybe, can I get the wheels in motion there, Um, I might message them at some point this week and just ask. So it was a hard decision when it came to deciding IUI, IVF or xe just another sort of crossroads on the road to being a parent. And well, my ears would have been burning as my case was being chatted about on the Thursday meeting at the clinic. And you can find out in another instalment what I was advised to do. But right now, please welcome to Worth Every Shot, solo mum by choice, Katrina Harding. How are you?
1: Hi there, I'm Gran, thank you.
0: Thank you for uh, agreeing to do this. Now, everyone's journey to becoming a parent is is different. Talk us through your journey, Katrina.
1: Well, I've always wanted to be a mum. And, um, you know, I always just thought it would happen in the kind of traditional way. Like, my, I've got a mum and dad and a brother and, you know, had a very traditional kind of um, childhood and I just thought that would happen for me and i you know if I was also always kind of in relationships in my 20s and 30s just assumed it would happen I was married that didn't work out I had a few serious boyfriends they didn't work out for one reason or another and by the time I hit 34 I started to develop a real anxiety over the thought that this might not happen for me. And obviously that doesn't help when you're looking for a partner because you just are so anxious about it failing. That's not a good place to be in when you're trying to get to know somebody. Um, so I think around 35, I started thinking maybe maybe I, I'm going to have to do this on my own. And I tried to convince myself that I just... Maybe I didn't want to be a mum, maybe I'd be happy being an auntie, but um, you know, I I just kept coming back to it again mm-hmm. and again. And then in twenty seventeen, um I basically had a bit of a a terrible time. I lost two of my friends and at the same time my last serious relationship broke down. So I basically had a huge wobble. I was mm-hmm. pretty depressed and I ended up going into therapy and what came out in therapy was I was just so upset about the thought of not having a family myself Mm -hmm. and my um, therapist, my um, psychiatrist, because it was like a doctor, she said, you know, you know, you can do this yourself if you want to. And just a little nudge from her, it was, I mean, there's a lot of stuff went on in therapy, but this was a key thing that I kept coming back to. And so I just thought about it long and hand, long and hard. And in 2018, um was still having a hard time and went up to my parents and just sat i remember sitting around the dinner table and i'd said oh, i need to talk to you about something and i just started crying and just said oh i want to have a baby and i think i'm gonna have to have it on my own and mom and dad just were so supportive they oh, said if that's what you want we will be there for you whatever you want we just want you to be happy and i think that's kind of what i needed to hear in order to start the ball rolling, after all of this years of thought and torment and stress and you know depression um, and therapy. I needed my mum and dad to green light it, really, to give me the go ahead to progress. Yeah. So that's the backstory. Yeah. It's great that you've
0: got that support as well from your parents. I mean, what has been the reaction like to your choice? I
1: mean, we hear your mum and dad's. What about your brother and and, and what about friends? I've had nothing negative, nothing. Um, You know, my mum and dad obviously just want me to be happy and will be with me whatever I decide. My brother, um, I think he took a few days to get his head around it, but he sent me a huge email. He lives in a different country, we don't see each other that often. Um, but he he basically said he thinks that I should just go for it because he understands my concern that time is running out. And he said, you know, you can always find a partner later on down the line. Yeah. Because he knew that I'd been focused on dating and finding somebody. So he was really supportive and his wife also. Um, all my friends like I had my I've got a really close group of friends and I had them around for dinner and I just was cooking they were all sitting on the table and I just said I've got some news everyone <laughs> you should have seen them their heads whipped <laughs> around and they were like what and I said I have made the decision that I'm going to try and have a baby on my own and they were all just like oh my god that's amazing <laughs> so you know they were on board and I just told my friends kind of I've been always so open about it right from the beginning. Mm. I read books and listened to podcasts about how important it is for your child. Um, they're, they're, they're very There's no secrets. Mm-hmm. So I was always open right from the beginning. Um, one person I was a little worried about um, telling was my boss, so I worked for um, a charity, and my boss was great. I'm still friends with him now. I've left, I've left that work, but he was very traditional, right? He was an elder in the church. He was a mason. He was ex-forces. Um, you know, he was very very traditional you know didn't like this daft modern stuff so i was like oh no this is like gonna be really difficult (laughs) but i sat down and when i was 12 weeks pregnant and i said i've got something to tell you and i told him and honestly he couldn't have been happier he actually had a wee cry because um he was like I'm so proud of you for doing this Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god thank you so much and he just said listen you probably don't know this about me but he said I'm adopted and he said and after my parents adopted me they had a child naturally so he said I'm from a bit of an alternative family setup as well and uh you know I don't think there's anything wrong with that absolutely not and I'm just so so happy for you that you've managed to get this far and I was like thank you oh, so wow. much <laughs> so that's you know that was the one person I thought might be difficult <laughs> yeah or take it t- not 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 quite be as as supportive but I couldn't have been more wrong honestly
0: how long did your journey sort of take from start to finish
1: um, well, from the time I made the decision, talked to my parents, that was 2018, um, kind of around March, April time. Mm-hmm. I spent the rest of that year getting everything in place, um, booking the consultation, getting tests done. You've got to get the AMH test, the mm-hmm. high, co- high, high. Oh, the cosby- high cosy, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> You're talking about language. <laughs> um, um, I also had to remortgage my house, release some capital so I could spend it. I also had to choose my donor and get my sperm. So basically, by December 2019, uh, 2018. So it took from April to December to have everything in place. And I had my first round of IUI, January 2019. Um, So I had three rounds of IUI, January, February, March 2019. And then I had a bit of a break um, because I had to, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. So I was like, right, I want IVF. And then you have to set that up. You You have to sign more forms. Um, And then so my IVF started um, just after my 40th birthday, which was June 2019. Mm -hmm. And I got my eggs harvested in July, but I experienced OHSS. Oh, yeah. um, over stimulation ovarian st- overstimulation syndrome and uh, my ovaries oh my god like my stomach I looked like six months pregnant mm-hmm. because my ovaries had swelled right up because I had a really high amh so if your amh is high you're likely you're quite likely to get ohss mm-hmm. from all the drugs and um, so basically in july the eggs got taken out and they got put in a dish and fertilized and the guy from um GCRM said, look, we need to give you a few months for your body to calm down because because you've got OHSS, we can't do a transfer now. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, actually, phew, that's quite nice mm-hmm. to have a little break. So they had four embryos come out of that cycle and they went in the freezer and stayed there um and i had a few months off so it was off august um, september october november i got um two embryos transferred frozen embryo transfer and they didn't take so i had two embryos left i had them transferred on the 16th of december mm-hmm. so that's you know <laughs> coming up for an anniversary um and one stuck oh. and it was fergus Yay. and uh yeah but even <laughs> that wasn't straightforward because um so I got them transferred on the 16th and then I I basically tested on the 23rd, which was possible because I'd worked out the days and whatever. And it came back negative. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't. This isn't going to happen. I'm not going to be a mom. OK. And I was retraining my brain. I was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to go traveling. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that mm-hmm. stuff that I'd put on hold for quite a long time because I was trying to have a baby for two years. I'd been focused on this, and not doing other stuff. And um, and I went home for Christmas, told my parents, my brother and sister-in-law, not pregnant, need to focus on the, f- the way forward now. And, um, and they were like, OK. And then so we drank a lot, ate a lot, had fun. And then I came home from, I'm from Aberdeen, came home from Aberdeen. And on the twenty, I think, 8th, I was like, oh, I haven't had a period, though. <laughs> and so I just weed on a stick and was like, oh, my God. I'm pregnant oh my god (laughs) and this is after I'd been you know boozing for a week yeah like Christmas boozing and like sad boozing as well not good yeah and then I went um when I got back to Edinburgh I remember going to a gym with my friend and going in the jacuzzi and you know stuff you're not not supposed yeah and then came (laughs) out and I was like oh my god somehow It's changed from a negative to a positive, and so basically, I spent Hogmanay in shock, like white as a sheet, (laughs) sober and in 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 shock. (laughs) (laughs) So I was just like thinking, "Oh my god, what am I going to do now?" And you know, it's what it's everything you've wanted, but when you get that positive, but you don't dare think about the future because you're thinking it might not work. Mm -hmm. So when you get the positive test, you are actually in shock. Because you you don't dare think, what if it works? Mm-hmm. You know, you're just too scared. You're too to scared to get your it. hopes up, aren't you? That's Yeah. It. I mean, I, that's why it takes nine months to, to carry a child to term, because it takes nine months to get your head around the idea mm-hmm. that you're going to have a baby and it's going to be yours. <laughs> and life changing,
0: <laughs> you know, it must have completely changed your life.
1: Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to be, so I'm a massive extrovert. And when I say that, I don't mean that I'm not wanting to be the center of attention or be on the stage, but I need people around me. Mm -hmm um to to kind of bring me joy it's all about people it's all about relationships for me like I do need a little time to myself but not much not much at all like I'd much prefer to be with people like I think my ideal lifestyle would be in a commune you know just yes. <laughs> a village full of people in the same building and um, and at the moment I live um in Musselburgh and I've got friends really close by and I see them all the time and that's that's the way I like it um So, yeah, I mean, it's changed my life a lot. I mean, I used to, all my money, I used to go to the gym five times a week. I loved lifting heavy things. I'd go hill walking at the weekend. I'd swim in the sea. I was really into kind of outdoorsy stuff. And um, I can't do any of that now, like nothing. If I go to the beach, I'm literally stopping Fergus from throwing himself in the water and getting <laughs> you know, frostbite. <laughs> and I can't really walk far with him because I'd have to carry him and he's quite heavy. So we have to walk kind of in parks now. And, you know, it's just very different, but it's all, you know, I knew when I started doing this, that for a few years, my life would be very different. Um, And I just accepted it and I knew it would be hard and I just thought I'm going to have a hard few years Mm -hmm. financially, emotionally. I'm just going to take those hard few years for the greater good because, you know, I, I wanted a family of my own and I wanted um to have that experience of pregnancy and birth and babies like I wanted all that mm-hmm. so I was prepared to take the the difficult times and you know just from my friends they've got small children and they're also in the in the trenches mm-hmm. like we're all in the trenches the trenches don't stop if you're in a relationship like the trenches are hard and everyone's in it Um and you know with a partner they can make it easier they can make it harder so I'm in the trench by myself, which is a pretty neutral place to be. It's not great. It's not awful because it could be worse.
0: Yeah. What do you have in the way of
1: support? Oh, so my mum and dad live about two hours away. So they do help with the childcare and um, they look after Fergus um, every once a fortnight on a Friday. Um sometimes I go home for a week um and work because I work from home. So I work from my dad's office and they look after Fergus. So sometimes just to get a bit of a longer break, I'll go home for a week. And um like they take him they've taken him for two weekends now. Like I didn't really leave him until he was nearly two. Mm-hmm. I mean I breastfed him up until twenty-two months. So he was coming on two by the time I stopped breastfeeding. So um it happened naturally at the right time. So that's what I wanted. I wanted natural weaning and um, so I wasn't really able to leave him overnight until then. Um, but he had a weekend with granny and granddad in August and he's just had a weekend with them now. So, you know, I do plan on leaving him maybe a few times a year for weekends with them so I can get a child free weekend because that's really important to have some time off because you just don't get a time to you can't can't take my eyes off him yeah. like he's he's a live wire he's full of energy he's really bright he's into everything he pulls things apart and destroys things and scribbles on my walls like within seconds of me taking my eyes off him so I just have to be on it all the time so it's just for a bit of a break I just want to sit do nothing It's that's what I need but also because I felt like it was really important for him to have Uh, good male role models. So he's got granddad. My brother and his wife live in Holland. So they see him, but obviously not that often. Mm -hmm. But I asked two um, couples that I know two of my best friends really and their husbands if they would be godparents Mm -hmm. to fergus so they are both of them within a 10 minute walk of our house and i regularly ask them to look after him just for a few hours while i go get my hair cut or um often it's things for work but um, sometimes it's going out for lunch with a friend but just have a little break and so they are they're at hand they're pretty close and they're really good to me so uh, I also have other friends who can look after him like I've got a little uh you know group of very trusted friends who know Fergus really well who I would think nothing of leaving him with them for a few hours so yeah
0: Well, that's great you do need a little bit of respect for sure and what would you say to someone that's thinking about a sort of similar route to yourself
1: yeah, I mean, I would say do it. It's it's even if it's just the trying, like I always just thought I don't want to be in my 50s and regretting anything. I wanted to look back and think I've tried my hardest and it didn't happen, but at least I tried because so there's no regrets there because I didn't want to, um, to you know, to, to think of myself in the future as feeling that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think trying is definitely worth a shot and you can make the best of your life if it doesn't work out. You just have to reconcile yourself with that. Um, but if you do become pregnant and have a baby on your own, you know it's hard. It's really hard financially, and it's really hard um, emotionally. But you know, solo mums are made of tough stuff, and you just have to, you just have to do it. And um, everyone's in the trenches, like I said, and you need to rely on other mums for support. You need to have your support networks around you. If you don't have family close by. You know, you need to ask your friends like you should you need to ask for help and ask. And the thing is, they people love to be involved in children's lives, especially his two um, godparents don't have kids themselves and they love being close to him and being Mm. part of his life. So if I was too proud to ask them for support, they wouldn't be able to build these strong relationships. So you you should you need to just ask for help if you need it, because it doesn't just benefit you. It benefits your child and it benefits them and your friends. And so, yeah, it's all about your networks. It's all about your support networks. So, you know, you can start working on that before you, before you even try. You know, just kind of invest in your friendships. I think that's really important.
0: Oh, that is great! Seriously, great to chat to you, Katrina, and uh, what a great story! And you know what? I'm I'm so happy for you that it worked out for you in the end as well. So you and Ferris. brilliant. Katrina Harding a solo mum by choice and a real inspiration to me and no doubt others too and thank you again to Katrina for sharing her story now she has promised to come back on to a future podcast to talk about diblings. this is half siblings from the same sperm donor and she will share some stories on her experience of diblings. but in the meantime if you or someone you know would be up for being a guest on my podcast please just drop me an email just drop that email to yaz at qradio.com
1: worth every shot